What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Glenn Naughton. Um, I, I would say we're in the slow portion of the offseason, but I feel like with the Jets, there's never truly a slow part of the offseason. But we're here. We have some fun topics, um, some that just make us laugh a little bit, some lists that we've seen uh, curated on Twitter for the offseason that we want to discuss. And we have OTA pressers that uh, I think gave us a little bit more answers than I think people realize. So, Glenn, how are we doing tonight? I know you're a little under the weather. Thanks for, for doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a pretty ridiculous cold, so I'll, I may have to mute myself a few times to not cough and hack into the mic. Um, yeah, look, it's it's the the downtime of the off season's coming, and it's 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 going to get a lot slower that you know in the coming weeks than it is now. You know, once once the OTAs wrap up and there's no news, that's when uh that's when it gets you know it, it's really a, a slow drag. So hopefully we push through that this off season and, and get to camp. Yeah, camp. I, I said it to somebody the other day. I don't want to rush summer along, but like this is the one time of the year when I'm just like looking ahead to late August and those days of camp and just staring at the Twitter timeline again, just trying to figure out all the the starting lineup combinations that the and the personnel uses that the Jets are putting out. So I don't want to rush it away, but seeing some of the articles, and we can probably start right there. Seeing some of the articles come out about Aaron Rodgers that aren't from the the New York Jets beat writers at all. They're coming from Packers guys and and now apparently this Giants beat reporter. I don't even know who he writes for, but these funny articles that say Daniel Jones is better than Aaron Rodgers or the ones that are still going down the rabbit hole, figuring out the whole Packers divorce. Um, any, any comments on those? I know there was a couple key takeaways in the athletic article, but the, the Daniel Jones one, can we just laugh about that for 30 seconds to begin? I mean, I um, the Jones article I didn't read. I saw the headline. Someone, someone posted it to Jet Nation, um, the forums at JetNation.com, and I saw that and just shook my head. I didn't read one word of it. And um, the uh, the Aaron Rodgers, uh, same with the Aaron Rodgers. I saw a couple of tweets. You know, did this one? It's almost like um, like a like a like an angry teenage girl scripted movie did this one say this about that one was so-and-so dropping a hint about this person mm-hmm. you know did did stacy tell lucy you know it, it, it's just it, it like it, i can't think of the movie like almost clueless like i'm trying to think of like a draw a teenage girl drama type of thing and that's what these stories remind me of and you know again on top of everything it's clickbait like no football to report what's a great way to get clicks right now well Aaron Rodgers is a jet but he still has a huge following in Green Bay and of course everyone in New York well all Jets fans are thrilled he's here so you've got a player with two fan bases who love the guy so just go after that dude and if half of each fan base clicks on it you're gonna get like a, a regular season audience type of numbers um but it really is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I just, I just, I don't, I, I don't, it, it's embarrassing that like, and the, I'm assuming these are adults writing these articles. I don't, I didn't read them, but I'm assuming they're grown ups. Um, and this is what they're doing. But, and we have, I do try to remind myself sometimes because I've, you know, I've spoken to writers um, in the past, Jets writers who have told me about some of the pressure they've been under to write stories about stuff that even they think is ridiculous. You know, but the mm-hmm. the the editor, you know, is saying, no, this is what people want to read about, you know, and, and the writer will plead their case. Say, look, this 
this isn't interesting. I don't, the, the fans aren't, and the editors don't want to hear it. No, no, no. This is the story that people want, or this is what everyone's writing about. You know, we have to be in there too. So, but these stories like this, I think, you know, you got to have so little pride to, to entertain it that it's just kind of gross. Yeah, I feel like from my perspective, at least when I think about writing for the site, I usually look over the whole topic and I'm like, does somebody actually want to read that? And sure, you know, like you said, if you just throw Aaron Rodgers name in the, the headline or the tagline, people are going to click on it. And we've kind of gotten to that point, especially on Twitter with these guys. It's like you just see Aaron Rodgers and you know it's either going to be negative or just like harping on something from the Packers beat. So you basically can only re- reply with like memes and gifts to these guys because you just can't take it serious. But yeah, when I sit down and go to write an article and I, I that's that's not what I would come up with. Daniel Jones is better than Aaron Rodgers and New York needs to think about who's the better quarterback. And I understand, you know, he's coming off a down year, whatever, 26 touchdowns. I don't think Daniel Jones broke 20 last year, and that's with the rushing. So I don't think, you know, it's even holding. Did he a, have like 12? I forget. It was in that range. I think 14, maybe. So like, yeah. it's just, it's not even a comparable. And this is compared to his other years where Daniel Jones wasn't good. And this was supposed to be that resurgence year with Brian Dable. And perhaps, you know, this next upcoming season could be better for him, but I don't know. I thought it was silly. Just the whole, I didn't, I didn't read it either, but just the headline, just to grab people's attention, I thought was just silly. I didn't even retweet it to like give it the time of day. I, yeah, was like, I can't 15, even do 15, touchdowns. 15 exactly, to 26. And I understand, you know, all the circumstances, but come on, that's a good year for Daniel Jones versus a bad year for Aaron Rodgers. That's silly. The athletic article did a couple of headlines, uh, you know, caught my eye mainly on Twitter. Um, I'm in the process of still reading it now. It's um, the the communication one about how the communication entering 2021 between Rogers and Brian Gutekunst, their general manager, was not, you know, it was improved somewhat, is what the article said. But then in quotes, it had a direct quote from uh, Rogers that said it was still wasn't anywhere near the Jets in a, in just a few short weeks. So. That to me, you know, I'll take that anytime we can is that the Jets are doing something right. And a team like the Packers are looking at us like, well, we didn't do this with Rodgers, but now you guys are. So I think that's a great thing. Then the kind of scary thing. But I feel like if you listen to Rodgers in all of his uh, Pat McAfee interviews and just the, the wording he's used at the end of his seasons the past two years was that he didn't like Brian Gutekunst. And there was definitely some kind of rift there. And it proved it in the article flat out by saying uh, Rogers agent Dave Dunn asked the Packers to either fire uh, Brian Gutekunst or trade Aaron Rodgers. And this was going into the 2021 uh, season. So this is a couple years removed, you know, right after they just signed, uh, drafted Jordan Love, excuse me. So that made me a little nervous. Um, but then I think about it and I'm like, I don't think it's ever going to get to that point with the Joe Douglas and Aaron Rodgers, because I feel like that's a lot of Jets fans thinking is like, oh, he did it there. He might do it here if things go a little south. But those were the only two things that really stuck out to me, other than the fact of, like you said, it's just crying over, the, uh, you know, what your exes are doing while you're you're home alone on a Friday night and they're out, you know, enjoying their lives. So pretty high school to me. But I just wanted to start with that. Something light. We do have um, a couple roster moves, uh, small moves. Uh, one is a contract reworking. Uh, safety Jordan Whitehead, who I believe was in discussions by a lot of fans to be either cut or reworked or dealt some way somehow. Not many fans liked him after his first year in New York. 
Um, I kind of sat the fence and said, you know, I don't mind him as a player. He definitely didn't live up to the expectations or the contract, but they didn't make any moves at safety as well. So it's very hard to, you know, only subtract from that room and not add anything. I believe Jarek Bernard Converse is the only addition to that room if they do move him back to safety. Other than that, you lost uh, LaMarcus Joyner, so you're not really doing much to that room. So to get rid of Whitehead, I thought, was a little weird. But they do end up restructuring his contract. They free up $5.3 million, I believe it was specifically. They now have $24 million, and they have a short list of names that need to get paid still. Rogers, Quinnen, uh, Tittman, and Will McDonald the fourth. So obviously they're going to still need to use that $24 million, and you want to go into the season with like 6 or $7 million in case of an emergency happens. So what were your thoughts on, on the re-signing? And then we also have the, the signing of Yadni Kajust from the Patriots, musical chairs in the <laughs> offensive tackle room in the AFC. I believe Brandon Show went from Miami to Buffalo. So everybody's just kind of swapping offensive tackles at this point. I thought they should have signed George Fant. Uh, obviously, that's not the case. Um, they signed Yadni Kajust and released Eric Smith. I think it's a bottom of the roster signing camp kind of body signing anyway but what are your thoughts on uh, the two signings and possibly George Fan? Well, with Whitehead, I think um, you know, it, it, important to, to you know remember it's not a pay cut. It looks like they move money around. Um, you know, and even they did add Chuck Clark, but they're really not the same type of player. Right. So you, you've added Clark to the room, but I I don't think they did, they didn't do enough to move on from Whitehead. I thought they might. Um even though, you know, a guy like Trey Dean has to be a top candidate to make the roster as a UDFA. Um, and you got to think about, um, you know, Marquise Waters out of Texas Tech, who I've mentioned a few times as more of a versatile guy who might be able to play a few different spots. But in terms of, yeah, in, in terms of established veteran depth, whether it's quality depth or not, Whitehead kind of had to stay. Uh, the, the freeing up of the money, you know, at this point, you know, again, you mentioned Tipman and McDonald there, of course, they're the guys whose money is going to impact this year. Like yes. Rodgers, you can see getting spread out. Quinn, mm-hmm. could, it can be an extension that starts next year. So really, once you once you get those guys signed and then give yourself that little bit of breathing room teams tend to like to work with during the year, the Jets really are looking at about $10 million in space right now, like real-world space. Because mm-hmm. um, again, 24 on paper. Uh, the draft picks are going to cost them another 10 or so. They're going to want to have another three to five sitting around for in-season costs, and that leaves you with nine or 10 million. But there are still more moves that can be made. We'll see what happens there. With Kajust, I don't. I mean, you talk about injury prone. I mean, he missed a year and a half in college. I actually did a draft profile on him as like, I thought he might be a steal, and I said he might, you know, because there were those who thought he could be, you know, a second-round pick. And I thought, well, with the injuries, you might get this guy in round three. He might be a steal because I did like him. But he hasn't been very good. He's been, you know, missed a year and a half due to injuries in college, missed his rookie year due to injuries, missed his second year due to injuries. So the guy can't stay on the field. Mm-hmm. I, you know, fan, I, I commented on your fan thing. I would have preferred fan, but I kind of thought about it afterwards. And I, I was like, well, could just is probably signing for vet minimum where fan, fan's not going to break the bank, but. He's probably going to want a few million dollars, you know, based on his previous performance. And again, even though they have twenty-four million on paper, they uh, they don't really have that type of space to to go out and add a, a you know a, a a third tackle, fourth tackle at this point. Even though he'd probably be well, he would be your third most likely. Um, 
I just don't know that they have that kind of money to spend right now on a guy who's not a starter. But again, there will be more money freed up as if moves, you know, if there are moves they want to make. Yeah, and when I put that tweet out that you're alluding to, I did say if they felt iffy about any of their top four options, those options being Brown, Becton, Mitchell, and uh, Carter Warren, the rookie. So I'm not saying, you know, sign him for – you know, a starter position, which I think a lot of people on Twitter took it for. But like you said, it's not going to be a vet minimum type of signing. It's going to be right. probably like three to six million. Uh, I'm not, I'm, you know, just ballparking with some incentives if he does become starter or has to play games as that insurance swing tackle. But, but yeah, I agree. If you could upgrade it, yeah, I would just take it if you could. But having could just come in as a vet minimum is probably the, the more cost effective option for them. The one stat I did see when they were talking about him on Twitter was, he played 17 games in his career and, and 10 of them were last season and he's been in the league for a couple of years. So like you said, you just miss all those years with injuries and it doesn't. And his good. pressure, his pressure rate allowed is like, you know, 20%, something like just a crazy high number. Yeah. Um, again, very limited reps, but he's still, he's been beaten quite easily. So. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see, I, like I said, can't body probably at most, you know, just a guy to get you through those rotations when guys are out. Dwayne Brown is still rehabbing. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Makai Becton is still rehabbing, but he's out there at practice. Um, then obviously you have Mitchell coming back from an injury, so they're not trying to you know put a full workload on him. Then you have a rookie, Carter Warren, and you also have, as Jonathan asked in the tweet or in the the chat, is uh, Warren better than Billy Turner right now? Uh, right now, no. Billy Turner is probably better than Carter Warren. There's there might be like areas of a game of his game where you could say he's equal to, and there could be upside for. Carter Warren for sure to be better than Billy Turner. I hope he's better than Billy Turner long term. But right now, you got to say Billy Turner is probably your third, maybe second best tackle, depending just on how you know you got to factor Rodgers into the whole equation. And I think I put Rodgers' impact into the title of the the show because he's going to have an impact on personnel decisions. Not you know to a T. Everything is going to be what Rodgers says. Rodgers gets, but. If Rodgers has rapport going with Billy Turner and Makai Becton is a little questionable at right tackle, I think Rodgers is going to push to you know get his guy Billy Turner in there as the starting right tackle. Not saying it's going to happen, but he's going to have influence on this on this team. And I think throughout the offense, uh, CJ Uzama is another guy that comes to mind. I feel like he's another guy that Rodgers is getting close with that could see playing time over other guys. So that's just my case on it. How do you think? Uh, Billy Turner stacks up against Carter Warren. Yeah, listen, I think right now, just based on experience, you have to give Billy Turner the nod, but I would not be one bit surprised if Carter Warren passes him in short order. Um, yep. Turner's just not that good, um, and Carter Warren does some things really well in pass pro. He said himself, you know, I said when he was drafted um, that I thought he was really good in pass pro, but he could use some work as a run blocker. I then heard him, I forget which interview it was, which organization or which outlet, but he did an interview, you know, when they asked him what's what's something. I think, that's right. They said, what, what did the draft advisory board tell you last year um, in terms of where you would go if you came out? And mm-hmm. the answer was, you know, they said I needed to work on my run blocking and, uh, you know, to help my value. So, um, yeah, I think that's where he needs to get better. But Billy Turner is a sort of a – it's another move where you kind of you you look at the numbers and you watch them on film and you just kind of scratch your head and go you know they they couldn't have got a better guy than this but he's Aaron Aaron wanted him so Aaron gets him and I I certainly hope that doesn't mean Aaron gets to start him because he's he's not he's not very good yeah I think um if push came to shove I would have probably liked George Fant over Billy Turner even 
But yeah. you know, that's we're a ways Cam down the road. I kept mentioning Cam Fleming. Yes. You know, just only because I forget where, but uh, yeah, he he's... did just sign a one-year deal. So okay, he was there. Yeah, he's a guy who but... played both sides for this offense last year. Uh, yep. Played 15, 16 games. So yeah, um, and I know Fant I... looked better at the left tackle position for the Jets when he played, but that doesn't mean he was awful at right tackle. Yeah, there were some moments, but. Like I said, just get a guy in there to, to compete. You have a deep room as it is, but we're going to do our roster rankings at some point um, throughout the summer process, and I'm just trying to list them in my head, and I put them on paper the other day, and offensive tackle, because I'm splitting all the, the offensive line spots up because I think that's the most fair way to do it. Offensive tackle is like a bottom two group for me, and I've been saying this entire time. I'm so high on the offensive tackle group. I'm confident in guys like Dwayne Brown and Mekhi Becton to be the best versions of themselves, but they still graded out as a pretty poor group compared to the rest of the offense. So it does make you worry that, you know, we can get into the season and barring injury. I mean, we could be a good offensive line, but we just, it's really just, we got to see it to believe it first. All right. Getting into the, the OTA pressers here. Um, we had a couple players talk to the media. We had Sala, Ulbrich, and Boyer. I hadn't listened to the Boyer one yet, but I listened to the Sala and the Ulbrich one. Uh, Sala gave us some answers I thought were pretty interesting. And Ulbrich gave us, you know, a little tidbit of information that I think is going to shine a light, so to speak, on how the Jets are going to use their defense. Uh, first on offense, or not offense, but first with Robert Sala, the offensive player he was talking about. Dwayne Brown. I know it was not, you know, chronologically the first thing he talked about in the interview, but it's the number one thing that stuck with me from his interview. Talking about Dwayne Brown, the exact quote from Robert Sala is, you guys know I love Dwayne. He won the first annual selfless warrior award for the team in terms of just what he sacrificed. That is the award that the Jets literally created for this guy. Like I said, last year, his money was guaranteed, didn't have to play it down and his money was guaranteed and he didn't have to subject his body to what he did, but he stepped out there. He stepped on the field, played as many games as he possibly could with the torn rotator cuffs and did a really nice job. So he's going to fight for it. He doesn't believe he's entitled to anything. He believes he's got to earn everything. And there's a reason why he's played for so long and has had so much success. I mean, look at him. He's a brick house. He can still play as many years as he's willing to play. And then Dwayne Brown met with the, media shortly after and he talked about it as well and he said i have plenty left in the tank um he said he's not sure if he'll be ready for training camp he's going to leave it up to the doctors but coming out of surgery immediately after the regular season he knew he wanted to come back his surgery went great and he said he returned to this team because he wants to win and that this is a team that wants to win and wants to be the he wants to be the best version of himself for that team so I couple all those, that long thing together, just to say, Dwayne Brown, left tackle, put it in Sharpie. There's, I just, I don't see how you can, you can't cut it any other way. And I, I get it. Makai Becton is probably the more talented player. And we've preached best five on this podcast so many times. But when you look at the word best, it does not just mean his rating is higher on a Madden game than the others. So he has to be the starter or you can't look at it. So binary like that, when they say best, that means most reliable, most talented, you know, it, all these different factors come into it. The harder, harder worker at practice that definitely goes into who's going to be the starter. So to me, 
Dwayne Brown's your left tackle. Mekhi Becton's your right tackle if he wins the job. And you hope that if he's on the team next year, he's your left tackle in 2024. Is that what you got from that? Yeah, well, listen, it's 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 really it's best for the team is what it is in my mind. Like it's best five for the team to win. And I said this after, you know, Makai's comments, which I thought were not in his best interest that I and I said he he has to understand that even if he does go out there and outplay Dwayne Brown, that's fine. But if both of them are in the top five, only one of them plays both spots. So. Guess who's going to move? You're not moving Dwayne Brown at 37, 38 years old. So Mekhi Becton may very well go out there and prove himself to be the better left tackle. He might do a better job in practice and in games. But at the end of the day, if Robert Sala decides Brown and Becton are two of my best guys, so they're both starting, then Becton's going to right tackle, and that's it. And I thought the, you know, some of the comments from Sala, you know, definitely felt directed at Becton. Um, you know, and when he when he explained, you know, Dwayne Brown doesn't feel entitled. He doesn't feel anything has to be handed to him, and he understands he has to work for it. This, having just said, Makai Becton's got to work for it, and then mm-hmm. he says Dwayne's not entitled. He understands he has to work for it. So only one of these guys had to be told they have to work for it. The other one didn't have to be told because he's not entitled. So I mean, it was a veiled shot at Becton, and it's you know Salah's right to to say that. It's going to be the best five, and if it is, Becton probably plays right tackle. And as we've agreed, like, and then next year you hope he plays well enough that Becton is back, and then he's your left tackle and you move on. Yeah, and Robert Sala used a term that I want to get into in just a second, and I think Dwayne Brown fits into that bucket. But um, per Rich Samini um, on Twitter when he was at practice, I believe this was two days ago, he said Joe Tittman getting reps at guard, McGovern with starting O. Now they're not allowed to say this guy was the starting center and this guy was the number two right guard or whatever. So McGovern was with the starting O. AVT was not out there, so Wes Schweitzer was the right guard. And then Adam Pankey and Max Mitchell were your offensive tackles. So that obviously they're just using bodies where they have them while their main guys are out. But I do think it is cool that they are getting Joe Tittman reps at guard when they easily could have just said, okay, McGovern, get reps at guard. I like that they're letting Joe Tittman get those reps because in a pinch, you never know. He could have to go into the guard position. Obviously, grain of salt, it's a May tweet when they're just wearing helmets and shorts. But I, I do like that they're going to get him a little bit more versatility. We obviously don't know where Joe Tittman's going to land. Another you know position that Rodgers' impact does come into play here if he – relies on Connor McGovern and he trusts him to to be his you know guy that calls the protections out or whatever he does then that's going to be the guy but if it's Joe Tittman and Rodgers has a nice rapport with him it's going to be Tittman so I think that's another position but what are your thoughts on Tittman getting to guard I think it's one of those things it's sort of why not let's take a peek at him there Um, nobody's hitting so it doesn't matter they could have you and me at guard it's not going to impact anything Um, you know nobody's there's no full contact out there I, I, you know, I do worry. I mean, listen, sometimes coaches get it wrong, right? Maybe he's good enough to play guard, but the fact that he, you know, when you read his bio prior to the draft and then he said himself in his post-draft interview, um, they had him work a lot at guard at Wisconsin in practice, but they never put him there in a game. So Mm -hmm. it's like, was this like, were they throwing him in at guard when, you know, when it didn't matter that it wouldn't hurt anyone, but as soon as it counted, he never saw guard. Um, Yeah. We'll find out. Did they not feel confident? Yeah. Right. You know, I, I listen, I don't I'm not going to say I watched every Wisconsin game and I know what the depth chart looked like, 
you mm-hmm. would imagine at some point in his time there, a guard missed action. Um, and they didn't feel the need to, to plug him in there. And look, maybe, maybe the backup center was an issue. I don't know. Um, I just know that he never played there. And the Jets, it, it, this is the time of, you know, this is the time of year to, to experiment with that kind of stuff and just see how it got, even though guys aren't hitting, you know, get an idea for how well they move. Um, get an idea for how well he picks up the offense from, you know, multiple positions, kind of test him in that sense. So not a huge thing because no one's going to, you know, it's, he's not going to get beat and give up an Aaron Rodgers sack. Um, mm-hmm. But and, and no harm in taking a look at him there. I'm, I love versatility, man. Work guys in everywhere yep. and see if somebody surprises you. And, and now you've just made your roster that much deeper. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I know the timing of our podcast is really, you know, unfortunate for the, you know, releasing of the jet 20 or the flight 21, 23, excuse me, Ascension videos that they've been putting out on YouTube every Thursday, two minutes after we get off the show. But last week's was the draft episode and they talked about Tipman specifically, obviously, and where he stacked up compared to other guys like Cody Mock and uh, John Michael Schmitz. And at one point somebody says off camera, so you don't see who that Joe Tipman was the top center in their model. I don't know what goes into their model. I assume Mm -hmm being at the top of anything is good. But the fact that they said top center makes me think, hey, you know, maybe they look at him as a true center. So to actually see him getting that use at guard, I'm really happy because say he doesn't win the starting center job, there's not many teams in the league that carry a true center-only backup. That backup needs to have versatility. And I feel like the Eagles got away with it because their roster is just so complete with uh, Cam Jurgens, who we liked out in Nebraska. They kind of just sat him beh- beside Kelsey and just were like, you know what? We have Landon Dickerson who could play guard too. So we're okay. And they rumored putting him out to guard now that Salamalu is gone. And he was like, I'm, I'm a center. So like, it's one of those things where if you're a center and you're a true center, it's very hard to, you know, stay as a backup. So Tippman's going to need that that flexibility at guard, but definitely top center in the model is, is a good thing to hear. Uh, I also wanted to mention Will McDonald was their consensus edge amongst the scouts in that room. It seemed like when Joe, uh, Juggler, uh, Joe Douglas, excuse me, was asking around, it seemed like it was Will McDonald, Michael Mayer, Broderick Jones from a scout's perspective, but it seemed like that uh, was the consensus that McDonald was higher than most of those guys that fans thought from the outside were, definitely higher than Will McDonald. I feel like Will McDonald jumped up a good 20 spots in the draft based on where people thought he was going to go. So any thoughts on, on that real quick before we jump into the, the next part of the, the takeaway from the presser? Yeah, I'll tell you what, and as much as I love Tipman and I, you know, I'd said for a while before the draft, he was my top guy. I was surprised to hear some of the names in that, you know, take flight, you know, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, yeah. you know, and uh, and they're like Tipman, Tipman. I was like, wow. Like I like Tipman, but I love I Addison, like Addison too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Zay Flowers too. You know, I, I like. I did, probably didn't talk about him as much this year as I did last year. Um, probably, and really, I don't know that I talked about Zay Flowers a ton last year, but I watched a lot of him and I liked him. I thought, mm-hmm. uh, I thought he would be a really good player. Um, so it's like you know, that's this 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 stuff. It, it's you know, it's fun to watch, but. Those are the kind of things that come back to bite you. If you put you, teams don't often put that out in public, you know, we like this player more than that player. Yeah. Well, if those guys go on to be studs and your guy isn't, everyone's going to be like, everyone in your damn room had the guy you took over the, all the, these guys who were better. And it's a mm-hmm. bad look, but I'm not saying that's going to happen. Um, it's uh, it's the Jets really putting themselves out there, but I love it, man. I love the, 
the, the behind the scenes talk. Of course, trying mm-hmm. to guess who they're talking about as they're describing guys. Every you know, time. who's got to stay out of his own way. And you're like, Jalen Carter. It's got to be Jalen Carter. That was, um, yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, yep. And there were there were a couple more. Um, some of them are kind of vague. And you're like, that could be 10 different guys. It, but, the um, negative ones really get you thinking, like, who the hell could that be? Is this somebody that I talked oh, about you know, in a, you know in a good way? Thinking, you know you know what? When somebody, they said uh, bad work habits, I was thinking, um, who was it? The Georgia tackle. Um, who ended up going super late? Ohio State, Dewan Jones. Oh, yeah, Ohio State. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Because I told you about the Spielman podcast and the, the senior Spielman bowl thing and everything. Where yep. he said, like, you know, he stood out to him in his pro day for being too chilled out. Like, you know, the other Ohio State linemen were busting their tails, doing extra work off to the side, and he was just standing there watching. And then he, you know, won practice of the senior bowl and went home. And you know, mm-hmm. people were telling him he, you know, he's got problems controlling what he eats and. And uh, so when I started hearing all that, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's who, like he fits that description. That's everything Spielman said. So, yeah, it's it's fun. Um, I, I think I do think it's interesting. And I'm not saying they didn't want Will McDonald, um, but there was a lot more. They had a whole lot more audio on everyone signing off on Tipman than they did on McDonald. You know, they had like these that's minutes of, of Tipman, 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 Tipman. Yes. And then with McDonald, it's like, you know, like I. The, the, the clip that, that you that you referenced where Joe Douglas said who do we got and it was you know it was it was uh McDonald Mayor Jones um I, I went back and I'm like that that to me I I initially thought that and I even tweeted out I was like oh well there you go he was their top guy and then I went back and watched it and I'm like he could have been asking one scout that might have been yes. one guy's list um although uh Scott Mason play like a jet had the producer of the series on and he said no that was the consensus list. Oh, okay. Because um, I was going to say, there's which, only one person who I would have thought, and if it was that person's voice, John Carr, the director of college scouting, if right. you could tell that it was his voice, I would have right. been like, okay, that's the consensus. Because up with Joe Douglas, that's kind of like the next in line. I know Rex Hogan is the assistant GM, but uh, John Carr is like the guy with the the director of college scouting and, and that whole process. So he's usually the first one Joe Douglas looked at in the videos, but for that specific one, you couldn't tell. But right. yes, I agreed. It was until I knew who it was, it was more of just a scout perspective until the, the consensus was in. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think we'll, uh, you know, my, my, my whole thing was, whether it was the 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 consensus list or not, like just the fact that there was a scout in the room that had him as their top guy tells us he would have been in the conversation. And the yes. fact he's in the conversation means he could have been the pick, you know. So I, the fact that, oh, the Jets panicked and he was a reach and they didn't know what to do, that kind of takes that myth and throws it out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heidi, Heidi here in the chat here says, Billy Turner was brought in more because of Hackett. That's what Salah said. Mm-hmm. Salah says a lot of things. Coaches say a lot of things. Um, you know, they that aren't necessarily true. You know, they said they, they, they was like, oh, there's a Rogers list. And then the Jets are like, no, there's not. And then the Jets are like, well, there is, but that's OK. So it's like, well, which was it? First, you said mm-hmm. there was no list. Now you're saying there is a list and it's OK. And it is OK that there's a list. I don't disagree with that. Um, I thought it was weird in the first place to pretend there wasn't one. But right. um, I think there's you know, a portion of Hackett, Saw, uh, Rogers, everybody, you know, if they're going to. Yeah, sign yeah I'm, like I'm, that, not saying, I'm not saying Hackett doesn't have input. Yeah, um, I, I but, think it's definitely closer to a 50-50 thing and not a, uh, not a oh, Rodgers wanted him, so let's go get him type of thing. But, yeah, I agree. It's got to be probably more 50-50. Yeah, yeah, no problem there, Hyder. It's, uh, it's it's hard to keep up. But, yeah, it's uh, I, I think he did. You know, I think everyone probably had a voice and everyone signed off on it. But um, Rodgers has spoken highly of Turner, and, and 
I think he's got the the biggest voice in the room right now. Yeah, he definitely has spoken highly of him. All right, getting to the next presser was uh, defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich. Let me get my right notes out here. And he talked about – oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I skipped the line. I wanted to talk about the um, the quote or the phrase that Sala used to describe a couple of players on the team. When talking about Randall Cobb, he used a phrase, flag bearers. And what he meant by that are guys who are going to plant the flag and be able to echo the messaging. They already know what it is. To have those guys is priceless. No different than why we brought Solomon, Quan a year ago, Marcel Harris, DJ Reed, all the guys who have had familiarity with our system and our messaging and our voice. And I can, you know, he didn't name Dwayne Brown specifically, but that's what I was trying to get back to was I think Dwayne Brown fits in that list as well. Dwayne Brown's somebody that's going to go out there and motivate the younger guys. He's what in his 17th season, him and Rogers are like the oldest tackle quarterback combination in, in the league. You know, if they both start week one health, you know, that that'd be the oldest combination. So I think you could put him into that category of a flag bearer, but I thought it was interesting that he mentioned it when talking about Randall Cobb, a player who has not been with the team very long, but is a veteran and, you know, knows the system and Sala understands that. But did you think of any players like when you heard the term flag bearers for this team, maybe that he didn't name uh, Thomas, Quan, Marcel, DJ Reed, anybody else that comes to your mind when you hear that term? Uh, you know, funny when I heard the term, my first thought was because it, it is, you know, there, there's military terms, flag bearers or, or guide on bearers, oh, okay. guys who carry the flags. And with his Navy SEALs references last year, I was like, I think he's a military guy, you know. Um, I think, yeah, Sala wants all these, these references to, to toughness and military. We saw some of the pictures of them doing the Navy SEAL stuff, carrying the logs around yep. the, uh, the practice field. So I think Sala's really big into that. Um, yeah, and look, Randall Cobb, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I keep forgetting he's on the roster. I really do. Yeah. Every time I think receivers, I'm thinking of the big play guys down the field. And Cobb to me, again, just, just has that feel of, you know, yeah, he's a guy Rogers wanted. Um, you know, he's that slot guy. Cause I keep thinking Lazard's gonna see a lot of the slot. Um, people don't yep. talk about that a whole lot, but he's he's played a, a fair number of reps there. And I think by having Lazard in the slot and Davis and, and Wilson on the outside, that's probably the best trio the Jets have. Um so how much Cobb plays, we'll see. I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. He's not really had a big year in some time. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see where that goes. My preference would have been for a, a more explosive playmaker. But there is something to be said for chemistry and, and you know, vet presence and, and the value he can bring. And I think that's what Salah's alluding to. In the, you know, same as Alan Lazard right now, right? That in the huddle, on the field, in the locker room, when guys have questions about the offense, they can go to either of those two. You've got, you know, with, with Rodgers and those two receivers, you have two guys who know the offense inside and out. So that's an ideal situation um, in, in terms of that. But one thing, Dylan, I wasn't sure if you were going to touch on or not um, before we move on from Sala was the, uh, the, the DeAndre Hopkins comments. Which yeah, really, yeah, I was gonna say the guy that I was gonna say is my flag bearer was Corey Davis, and that ties into the DeAndre Hopkins thing because I feel like Corey Davis, every time they talk about him, he does the right things, he shows up to practice, he works right. hard. Obviously, he's not uh, always available health wise, and yes, there were some drops in inopportune times, but I, d- I did think that he was somebody that was based on the way they talk about him, deserve it of possibly being in that bucket of of a flag bearer. So I was a little shocked when he said, you know, we love our receiver room. We're pretty much putting to bed any DeAndre Hopkins rumors, but I did like that. He came out and said that all about Corey Davis, because if they are going to stick with him, 
I like that they're, you know, going full bore with Corey Davis instead. Yeah, I, I, it, it, it's confusing to me, and, and it's even more confusing. It's funny because I, I had this discussion with somebody recently about a non-football topic. Um, and actually, football, too, in discussing – who was it? We were talking about – oh, we were talking about Hopkins versus um, Davis. Uh, and somebody just said – and someone who was saying, you know, they shouldn't go after Hopkins was like, well, if you just, if you just put the drops aside, you know, it's not a huge difference. And I'm like, well, first of all, there still is. And second of all, why would you put the drops aside? That's an important yeah. thing. And then and then the, the guy was like, I said, I, I did say, you know, I, I said something like, how do you not take drops into account? And he was yeah. like, I did. I said, if you put them aside, I'm like, yeah, that means not taking them into account. That's, like, that's right. that's the definition. You're saying, let's ignore this thing as we discuss this topic. Um, and that's what Salah did. Like, oh, I know we uh, we went after Odell and all that, but we love our room. We're not going to add any receivers. We love our room. But you just tried to add Odell like and you yep. haven't added or subtracted anyone in that time same exact room um but you tried to sign Odell Beckham coming off two blown out ACLs it 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 baffles my mind that you would go I, listen unless and I discussed this today I did another mailbag with Scott we do a ton of those now um Scott play like a jet and I said uh what did I say I've lost my train of thought now with the About um, the yeah, sorry. I was just going to say about the, the receivers. Yeah, what the hell was I saying? I cut myself off and to say that. I oh, just like Corey Scott. Davis versus DeAndre Hopkins and, and not wanting to upgrade the room, even though we just had OBJ in for the yeah. meeting and everything. Yeah, that the the, the, the to, to say – and whoever asked the question asked it brilliantly. You know, I think it was Connor Hughes. He said, like, what what's the situation? You know, you guys just went after Odell. Oh, that's that's it was Odell that I couldn't remember what I was saying. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm an idiot. Um, I'm gonna blame it on the cold. Got a brain fog. Um, but yeah, part of me is wondering, were they really just gonna make Odell like an offer to say they made him an offer because he's a guy Rogers wanted? Like maybe the interest wasn't mm-hmm. real, and they were gonna say, look, we know Odell's gonna want at least eleven. Let's offer him seven five, and he'll go somewhere else. Um, but it never even got to that point because Baltimore made him a ridiculous offer before he got to the Jets. So the Jets didn't have to do it. Maybe that was the case. I don't know. But if if we're going to take the Jets, you know, if we're going to take all the reported interest and Salah acknowledging the interest, um, and he was coming in for a physical, so that wasn't like a made-up thing. What, what, right. what the level of interest was, we don't know. What the offer was going to be, we don't know. But it's very weird to me to say we we were going to make an offer to a guy with two blown-out ACLs but we won't offer DeAndre Hopkins because we like our receiver room. It, it makes no sense. Hopkins is an absolute upgrade. I, and that was the drop rate that I mentioned, uh, Dylan. I, I don't know if you saw I tweeted it. He uh, he averaged uh, – what was he? I know they added Cobb, uh, Jonathan. But he, to me, he's not he, – he's going to be a, a 350, 400-yard guy. Like, and he's a slot guy. These guys are boundary guys. Yeah. You know, Cobb doesn't change whether or not you a go significant at least in my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they basically play different positions, even though they're, they're all receivers. But um, I think that uh, the the Hopkins averages a drop every 80 targets. And Corey oh, Davis wow. has, averages a drop every 16. So, I mean, the, the they're miles apart. And if you look at the numbers Hopkins put up last year, I mean, Hopkins has four drops in the last three seasons. Um, one last year, two the year before that, and one the year before that. That's insane. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and Hopkins, if you look at the numbers he put up last year with bad quarterbacks, Kyler Murray missed a lot of time last year, and he was playing with his backup quarterbacks. And um, 
He's a guy who put up 80 yards a game. You extrapolate that over a full season. That's a 1,500-yard season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have people telling me he's not a big enough upgrade over Corey Davis. Like, come on, man. Give me a break. Um, and as Jonathan says, um, Hop- well, I don't know that Hopkins is a bad locker room guy. Um, a lot of teams have paid him a lot of money, and I'm going to guess someone else is about to do the same. So those teams don't seem to mind. Um, I just think we've talked about it, man. It's a very small window. And if you're going to create a very small window and then kind of go all in, like, ah, we're not going to go all in. We're going to go mostly in. Right. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't, I just, I look at some of the things they're doing and I'm excited. Like this is going to be the most fun season we've had in years, you know, keeping our fingers crossed that everyone stays healthy. But, um, I, uh, I, I, a lot of what they're doing screams, you know, half, half effort. Um, there's still time mm-hmm. to add a second quarterback. Maybe they get DeAndre Hopkins, but um, I, I think there are still some, some things they could do to give themselves a much better chance that it looks like they're not doing, but we'll see. Yeah. The, the way it all looks from the outside of going after Odell or potentially going after Odell and I know there's rumors all over the map of what the deal looked like or the offer looked like from the Jets to Odell compared to what the Ravens actually gave Odell. So you could say that the Jets really weren't interested if you believe some of the rumors on what the offer was. But I think that there had to have been some general interest in him bringing him onto the team. So it is weird that they're not going to take on DeAndre Hopkins. And it's weird because I feel like the narrative about DeAndre Hopkins when he was still a member of the Cardinals was that he's still – worthy of you know being uh, a top wide receiver a number two wide receiver for somebody and then he gets released by the cardinals they eat all the money assigned to him and now you said you you see oh he's slow he doesn't separate as much he's really just like a a downfield guy who's going to win 50 50 ball sometimes and like not really going to give you much in the run game so then you look at Corey davis and you compare him to davis and yeah you said it he if you want a receiver DeAndre Hopkins is way above Corey Davis as a receiver. Then you factor in every single single thing that they want the wide receivers to do run blocking. And I know that was a comment about Alan Lazard and his run blocking is like Corey Davis is better than DeAndre Hopkins as a run blocker. So there are pieces of his game where he's going to be more physical, this and that. But when you're going to just upgrade the room, DeAndre Hopkins is the guy to upgrade it with over a Corey Davis. So I agree. Don't just dip your toe in the going all in, you know, experience with Aaron Rodgers, so to speak. Just dive headfirst into it and get the guys and, and, you know, figure it out later. But clearly there's some kind of reservation that fans on Twitter and, you know, people like us are seeing with Hopkins and what NFL teams are seeing with Hopkins. So I think that's going to be one of the most interesting free agent follows throughout the summer because he might not sign right away because there are a lot of questions and we'll see where he ends up. I would love him on the jets, even with Corey Davis, but I don't think you could have both, but I do think it's certainly upgrade. You're muted by the way, but he's certainly an upgrade over Corey Davis. I agree. Yeah. And it, and it looks like there are several teams interested and some of them have to clear cap if they want to bring him in. Um, You know, Kansas city's got less than a million. Buffalo's got a million five. Mm -hmm. So there are guys that could, uh, they could go that yeah, and, and uh hater says um interesting they had Tipman over Addison and, and Zay Flowers, which we yep. talked about a minute ago. About, um, yep. Yeah, that really was surprising. But um yeah, I, I don't um I, I don't get it. I'm confused by the and, and you know, 
it, it, it's that the thing that, that we've talked about in the past and fans do it so much today is, you know, letting letting perfect be the enemy of good. Like, oh, I can find a flaw in this guy so they shouldn't get him like everyone's got a flaw. Yeah. Um, you know, he but he's just he's just a better receiver. You know, blocking is nice, but that's kind of a gravy thing. That's like it's great to have. You love to have it. It's a big part of, you know, uh, big runs when receivers are blocking downfield. But you don't you don't take a guy who could potentially be a, a 14, 1500 yard guy and not sign him because you have an 800 yard guy who's a better blocker. You know, mm-hmm. and look, maybe Corey Davis gets you a thousand. I, I'm I'm a big Corey Davis guy. Yeah. I've been one of the people defending him for a couple of years. As people have been saying, cut him. He's garbage. He's trash. Like I don't feel that way about him. If he stays mm-hmm. around, I'm absolutely fine with that. I said all off season while people were saying he was a lot to get cut. I was saying don't don't bank on it. He can hang around. Um, so I'm not a Corey Davis hater or an anti Davis guy. I like him. I just think Hopkins is the better option, and I think that. Uh, I think they have this small window and they should be taking advantage of it. Yeah, I definitely agree there. All right. Now we can pivot to the Jeff Ulbrich press conference. Um, I really only just had one immediate takeaway, uh, a secondary takeaway kind of as well. But my main takeaway was when he talked about the defensive line versatility and he talked about how um, JFM um, and Michael Clemens can now be moved more inside or they're going to at least experiment moving them more inside. Obviously we've seen JFM. He's been the the tweener on the roster for the last couple of years, but last year in the preseason, we saw Michael Clemens and Tenzel smart in this uh, on the interior in the second half of those football games. And I want to say six, seven pressures average between the two of them each game when they were just wreaking havoc against backup guards and centers in the preseason. So I thought that that was always something that the Jets were going to explore more. They obviously didn't do it in his rookie season. They had more depth at the defensive tackle position last year than they do this year, at least uh, on paper. I know you added uh, Quentin Jefferson and Al Woods, but I don't think either of them are a Sheldon Rankins type of guy. Maybe together they can kind of be. So you're going to need to move bodies around. He did also mention that Clemens is at 290 pounds which I believe you said is 27 pounds more than he weighed last season. So uh, from that's, two, it's 27 more than he was at the combine. It's okay. when it's 20 more than he was listed at last last year. He was listed at 270. He showed up at Indy at 263. So he's 27 okay. pounds up from Indy, 20 pounds up from last season. So he's certainly getting on that year two meal plan that the New York Jets and, and the, you know, their staff have gone and, you know, gotten in place for him. He looks it like when they put the picture out on their Twitter of him and McDonald and Jermaine next to each other, he didn't look like an edge guy. He looked like an interior guy. And yep. in his interviews, when he's just staring at you mean faced, he's an interior guy. Like you don't want that coming right up the gut from the A gap, B gap. So I'm really excited for it. Actually. I think it's really going to take some pressure off that defensive tackle rotation. You're not going to need to see as much Solomon Thomas you know, Al Woods is 36 or 37. So, you know, he's aging. He's not going to be your three down player. Plus he's a run stuffer, but Clemens gives you both at Texas A&M. He did well pass, rushing the passer and against the run. I felt just because of his, I don't know, his demeanor when he steps on the football field, I guess that's like the easiest way to, to say it is he's just like not going to fail. And whoever's ahead across from him, like you better come prepared because I feel like Michael Clemens is ready to take anybody's head off. So I'm excited to see the change. What do you think about this uh, new versatility that they're, they're going to explore? 
yeah, I'm pumped about it. I, I love it. You know, we've I think we've talked about how we thought maybe they would add another D lineman in the draft, but I guess in their mind they kind of had because they were gonna have him bulk up. You know, I'm sure that's something they talked about with him during the year and going into the offseason. Like, hey, we want you to put on some weight. You're going to play the interior a little bit. I think, we'll, you know, Ulbricht said we're going to see more of John Franklin Myers inside. Um, Franklin Myers, I think, is a really, uh, you know, we know he's a good player, but I don't think he gets enough attention for how good he is. Like, John Franklin Myers can be a difference maker. So, um, you know, the more I think about it, I feel like this interior, by saying Clemens and JFM are going to get some heavy rotation at DT, with with what we've seen from Jefferson, if you look at a Seattle film, you know, Al Woods is the sort of the the space eater, the guy who's gonna take up blocks and let guys run free or just manhandle guys and, and walk mm-hmm. guys into the backfield. Great, you know, I, I think his run stuff, his run blocking or run uh run defense grade last year dipped a little if you look at PFF, but the previous couple of years he's graded out really high. You watch him on film, he looks like he's you know, he's 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 tossing guys around. So th- this group is so deep, man. Um, if, if Clemens is as good as we hope, and Clemens, I think, is is better against the run than he is against the pass, so moving him inside. And just those long limbs. You know, get that guy up the middle with those long arms and uh, and, and let him let him eat. And I think that he's, he can be a, a, an impactful player there. So, and, and, and oh, by the way, Quinn and Williams. So they, they've got some talent on that interior D line. And then of course, with the edges with Lawson and McDonald and Huff and JJ, like I'm, like I said, I was thinking about this group today, man, I was getting pumped. I was like, this is a group we haven't really talked about because there wasn't a Clemens to talk about. You didn't, you thought maybe JFM would see more, see some more action inside, but until you actually hear them say that's the plan, it's like, damn, that's like, this group can be really, really good. Especially when you look at the trio of corners as good as probably better than any other trio in the NFL guys are going to have time to get to the quarterback and they're going to have a lot of guys who are both talented and very fresh with the, how often they're able to rotate out. Um, it does make me wonder about Solomon Thomas. Like I think he's probably in my mind, like the, the, the low man on the totem pole. Yes. Um, <clears throat> does he hang around? I don't know. I mean, you look at the, he wasn't, he wasn't all that great on film. He wasn't the, you know, the numbers bear that out. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And yeah, uh, I, oops, sorry. No, that's that's fine. Like I, I like I would love to. Like I've been a Tanzel Smart guy for a couple of years now. Yep. Uh, ever since his camp a couple of seasons ago, he was fantastic. He was very good again last year. I like Deslin Alexander, the UDFA out of Pitt. I'd love to see him find a way to stick. So, but you know, but now we're talking about guys, you know, sixth and seventh on the depth chart. But in terms of that top five or in terms of that top five or six, this this group can be really special and and you know make life living hell for quarterbacks. Yeah, it's funny. I'm like trying to write down all these possibilities for the defensive line combination and I forgot Bryce Huff in all of this and I'm like shoot like one of our best pass rushers from last year is just so crazy you go through all these combinations but you mentioned Solomon Thomas not hopefully seeing the field too much and I hope that they kind of look at him as this year's version of Vinnie Curry you know he's a veteran guy he knows what to do if you need him out there but let's put the young guys ahead of him on the depth chart and hopefully we can make the best out of it. But yeah, you look at your base four down front, you look at Carl Lawson, Quinton Williams. We're going to put Al Woods there as the, you know, the early down roll, the run stuffer with John Franklin Myers on the edge. And they do the NASCAR package in the NFL, which is usually just four edge rushers that are playing on the, your four down front. And if you consider JFM an edge with Michael Clemens, you could have Will McDonald, JFM, Michael Clemens, Jermaine Johnson in that, 
that speed NASCAR package, and you really have four edge rushers out there doing things, you know, just wreaking havoc. So I think that, you know, like I said, I didn't even mention Bryce Huff. You could throw him into that rotation as well. So it's certainly going to be a deep defensive uh, line group. And like you said, you have the corners that are going to stop them on the back end. Everybody's uh, every quarterback's time to throw can't be, you know, under 1.6 seconds or whatever it is. You know, they can't do that every time. And the Jets are going to take advantage when they hold on to the ball. Especially now that the Jets, you know, are going to be able to score points. Like, that's a big difference. Exactly. When you're down 10 points in the third, you can't just run it and, and feel safe. Exactly. When the game is always close or you're always playing from behind, teams can keep throwing in one and a half seconds because they don't need those big chunk plays. They're just trying to chew up clock and run it down and, and walk, go home with the win. So, you know, it's it's there. there's a lot to be excited about here. And I think the way the Jets are built, um, you know, again, they're they're far from perfect. They have some things they need to work on, but they have a lot of things in place that, that make this an exciting team. It's really funny watching the comments because Hater Ali is is behind, like he mentioned, and he just said NASCAR package as we're talking about it. So he's already thinking about it as we're talking about it, which is perfect. Uh, my secondary comment from Albrick was about Sauce, actually, and it wasn't really a performance-based question, but it was, you know, putting a challenge on his plate, so to speak, and that's getting the turnovers. That He said, you know, he's exceptional with the, the past breakups and – he hasn't seen that mental drop off from, you know, I'm a rookie. I won offensive rookie, of the uh, defensive rookie of the year, excuse me. I won all the accolades. I can, you know, do my media runs from Super Bowl to draft and everybody can love me in the media and I'm cool. I'm, I can just do what I need to do. But he said that he he's not taking that approach. He's taking the what can I do next approach? So I love that he, he mentioned that, you know, he's just not going to settle. And I feel like when you're a cornerback, it's easy to settle and get taken advantage of. It's a very vulnerable position on that, you know, boundary area there for sauce. So I'm glad that it seems like mentally he's in the right place. He wants to win MVP and he got a defensive. He didn't get a defensive player of the year vote, but I think he, won unanimously in the defensive rookie of the year but either way it's just yeah i liked that he isn't settling i feel like garrett wilson's the same type of mentality he's not going to settle he just wants to keep going and get more so although the defense was ranked fourth last year after 32nd the year before and when asked about improvement it's kind of hard to you know put a number on it like oh now we got to be number one but he said if we're gonna you know, take that next step. Turnovers is what's going to be. So I would love to see Sauce get like four or five takeaways this year. I think that'd be that'd be clutch for him. But what were your thoughts kind of subliminally about, you know, challenging those takeaways from the defense? Well, uh, you know, first touch on the on, on Sauce's mentality. I don't know. Did you watch his doc on uh, on YouTube yeah. yet? When he went back yeah. to Detroit and everything. Yep. Um, I, I know. Listen, I know coaches blow a lot of smoke and they say a lot of nice things about their players because they're their players and they're going to, you know, sure. whatever. But one thing that really stood out to me that I've heard Robert Sala say about Sauce, and it was so clear in that documentary, um, he said, you know, Sauce is an old soul. And he really is. Like, his maturity level is so far beyond what you would yep. expect from a kid that age. And it's it's refreshing. And, and I'm not just – listen, it, fans do it too, right? We find ways to gush about our – young players especially great young players who just went all pro and all you know all the accolades these guys you know we put them in these on these pedestals where they walk on water and everything we say about them is wonderful um 
but he really just some of the things he was saying in that in that documentary were were really kind of gave you a glimpse into how mature he is um some of it was i mean honestly some of it was funny like for an old guy like me like when you're my age what 46 47 and you're watching like a however old sauce is 2021 Mm-hmm. You've seen him go back to his neighborhood where he went to high school. He's like, oh, I haven't been back here in so long. Like, I'm doing the math, and I'm like, two, three years? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So long. It hasn't like, been that long. Yeah. He just got out of college, dude. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I get where he's coming from, but, you know, and I, when you're that young, it probably does feel like a long time. When you're a million like me and you've lived in a thousand different places, um, you know, not being somewhere for a couple of years isn't like you don't get reminiscent about it. It's like two years ago is yesterday. Um, so that did kind of make me laugh, but that's just an age thing. Um, but so much of what he said, I will say, I, I didn't like that. He told like 70 dudes that they could all go to the NFL. Every one of y'all can make it to the NFL. I'm like, dude, 70 out of 70 guys aren't going to the NFL. Like I know what he's right. saying, but, uh, I was like, you're sending the wrong message. <laughs> like they're all going to walk out like, sweet. We're all going to the league. No, you're not. Yeah, exactly. You're not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that is maybe the one thing I wouldn't have advised. He say, but re- in all seriousness though, just a, a great job by him and did solid nail that man, old soul, you know, and, the, and he really does have this sort of air about him about like just you know the the having his head on straight you know not drinking you know not smoking not not doing any of this stuff yep um for young guys just in an in an era and a generation where guys just want to be on their on their socials out partying doing wild stuff which fine that's their prerogative but mm-hmm. like always give me the guy who would rather be you know in his room playing video games or working out or looking at the playbook than he would you know going out to to, to party, you know, that sort of, that's, it's, you know, the example I always use is the Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf, right? Like those guys got drafted and the, you know, the Colts asked each guy, when we draft you, what are you going to do? Peyton Manning said, I'm, I'm going to tell you to get me a copy of the playbook, start working. And Ryan Leaf was like, I'm going to get on a plane with my best friends and go to Vegas and party. And they're like, well, you just made the decision for us. You know, wow. remember when Johnny Manziel got drafted, right? Oh, look how cool it is. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to send a, the tweet of me reading my playbook on the plane on my way to party to show how hardworking I am. Like you think that playbook didn't go right back in his backpack. As soon as he took that picture, that dude wasn't working, you know? So that, that stuff scares teams off, but you got to love sauce. Um, Yeah. The takeaways, they're going to come in time. I mean, they may get tougher because teams are eventually going to have to stop challenging him. But if DJ Reed keeps playing the way he is, you got to throw it somewhere and they can both play. So he might get his opportunities. Yeah, it's crazy. You you mentioned the age thing, and I just turned 28, but I'm coming up on my 10-year high school reunion. So to hear somebody his age say, oh, like, it's been a while since I've been back, like to me, it still feels like it's been a couple years, like two or three years since I've been out of high school. So it is kind of crazy. Not only do I wish I have the, had the money that Sauce does at his age, but I do wish I had the maturity that Sauce has at his age because I think a lot of people could learn from the examples that he sets from the type of from the way he carries himself because that's very important in today's world yeah you you kind of lied to the kids and, and made them dream big and they probably walked out of there thinking they could be nfl guys and most of them won't be but you know he's i, I, think, just I think he's just insanely optimistic i don't think he even yeah, thinks he was lying like, exactly, i think he yeah. believes what he said you know yep. if and you I was put like, in the work that he did and you do that same path that he took you yeah know, clean clean edge no no drugs no drinking no nothing like you can make it. And I think that everybody and if you has also that. happen to have 75 inch wingspan and run a four, three, like it's, I get it, but there are some yeah. things you have that most humans don't. And that's why you're right. special. You know, if his arms were as long as mine, he wouldn't be in the NFL right now. Um, you know, there's certain attributes you've got to have 
um, to get there. But yeah, listen, it, it, especially like I said, man, in today's game where there's so much negativity and so many guys, young and old, are like 100% all about themselves. Um, it's good to see someone so young already wanting, you know, thinking in a way like, how can I give back? How can I be a role model? You know, doing this short documentary about coming from a, a rough neighborhood, which a million guys in the NFL do. Sure. Um, but to kind of put a spotlight on it and 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 highlight the people who helped you get out and, you know, hear their perspective on the way he worked and the way he the way his mind worked at a, at a very young age. I, I thought it was I, I, I'm not going to lie to you, honestly. When I first heard like, oh, sauce has a documentary coming out, I went, oh, boy, like, what is this going to be? I, I because of today's player, I thought, is this going to be like an hour of how awesome I am? You know, which oh, okay, I was like, yeah. I don't see Sauce being that kind of guy, but we don't normally see mature type videos. Like normally we don't see guys make documentaries after one year. You know That's what true. I mean? Which that was like, I was like, this is what's this going to be like? I hope this isn't a, a big like, hey, look at me. Um, and look, not that he wouldn't be entitled to do it. But again, I thought it would have been out of character for him. Um, so then to sit down and watch it and go, oh, this is him being him. Like, it's not going to his head. It's not about, hey, look at me. He's trying to show young people, you know, a positive message. And there's just not enough of that, man. Not not in a genuine way. There's a lot of, you know, people, you know, with the sound bites. Yeah, stay in school, blah, blah, blah. But you don't feel like it's coming from the heart with a lot of this messaging. But with Sauce, man, it's like this is real and he believes it and he's living it. And I, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, just uh... – reaffirms the whole pick of sauce going so high and every time you know you look at it and you try to nitpick it you just can't there's nothing character wise performance wise that you can really break down about sauce and and say that he shouldn't have been the pick and uh my my only hope is that rob sala uses that term old soul and those players actually stick around because elijah moore was the last one we talked about as an old soul and he didn't stay around long so I hope Sauce is here to stay. Hope he gets that second contract and nobody has to meet him at a diner to get that done. Uh, any final words before we get on out of here? No, no. And Jonathan says here, it's a different world. And I get that, Jonathan. I get these guys sure. share their whole lives. It's it's what they're sharing. And the fact that Sauce shared it in a way that, like, I like, I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought, I, you know, I'd see a, a an NFL rookie making a video and me thinking, I want my kids to watch that. Like my kids are very little. My son loves sauce. Like this was the first year he really watched football with me. You know, he's nine. He would watch a few minutes of each game last year, but didn't really sit down for the whole game. Now he does. And he asks questions. I don't know if it's because of the name, but he's like, every time sauce makes a play, he's like sauce and he loves it. Um, and I love it. So, but I like, I watched that and I thought I would let my kids watch this to show them like, this is, you know, what it was like for him to come up through the way he came up. So yeah, I get the guy share. You know what I think it was for me, Dylan, you, you wouldn't remember this, um, but I'm sure you've heard about it. When I first heard about the documentary, my, my immediate thought went to when Keyshawn Johnson wrote his book, um, you know, and I remember, I remember as a kid reading Keyshawn Johnson has a book coming out like, Oh, that's interesting. And it says the book is called, just give me the damn ball. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, all right, yeah. rookie wide receiver who hasn't done anything. That's an interesting, you know, title choice. Um, and I'm not saying that I thought Sauce was going to be like, you know, self-absorbed. Like that sure. Keyshawn is his own level of, of you know, self-image and how he portrayed himself. But just um, not knowing I, what to expect. I knew it wouldn't be anything like that. Yeah. I just didn't know what it would be. But my from my first thought was, oh, man, that, that disaster book that Keyshawn wrote. Um but yeah, gotta gotta love Sauce. Gotta love what he's doing, and uh, 
you know, looking forward to watching the kid keep getting better. Yep, and I just see one more comment here, uh, Jonathan. Again, I've been a Jets fan for 50 years, and this is the deepest team I've seen. Uh, I obviously I'm 28, so I'd have to agree there. If you think it's the deepest, I think it's the deepest at least since I've been, you know, following this team long enough to, you know, know just the not the starters but the depth guys as well. So I certainly agree. This is one of the deepest teams. It's also one of the most exciting teams that we have to look forward to. I know it's kind of been like a reused slogan every year, the most anticipated jet season for the past like three years or whatever. But this year, just something feels different. And I I know we're going down that road again, but it does feel different. And, and I think the depth of this team is going to take us to a place where Sal has been preaching finish. Let's go finish the damn job and get it done. And I think the depth that they're adding certainly helps do that. So yeah, it's, it's end- fun. It's funny. I, I do think they're deep just to touch on it real quick, but they're like we said, like safety, tackle qb2 like there are to me some you know tackle isn't isn't that bad off if beckton stays healthy but like i like max mitchell but i think he gets way too much love i think that's a result of like he outperformed this draft slot and people love that yeah he was taken very late and he played he was expected to not see the field and when he played he held his own which is good i'm not knocking that but um i've heard you know i think some people have conflated that with like he was dominant or he was oh we have Mitchell coming back he's a like, starter, like, yep. like there are no questions or concerns if he's on the field he's a late round pick who did a nice job in in you know limited action um but he's not you know he's not an established he's not a guy that you go well if he's in this week we have nothing to worry about um so yeah but yes there are there are some some spots where they're very deep where the talent is is very good again we mentioned d-line we mentioned corner um, but they could use some help at safety, some help at linebacker. And uh, and no, William, I'm not stuck on the draft. Um, I think, in fact, I uh, I mean, I still I still didn't love the approach, but um, it's over and done with. So, you know, you talk about that for a couple of weeks and you move on. I will say, though, I was I thought about this earlier, how I, I did change my, you know, we as I said, I love Tipman, but I, I, I kind of took Salah at his word with, uh, you know, that there's going to be a competition. I think there'll be a fall competition. I think Tipman's going to start. Like, and once I got mm-hmm. to that point, I was like, that's Salah being a coach. Um, yeah. So in my, like, I looked at it like, you know, Will McDonald was going to be a rotational guy, so he's not really a starter per se. Um, and Tipman might not start. Uh, but I'm like, he's starting. And a Abanacan should get a ton of carries. Um, so there's a little more help there than I was, you know, looking at sort of 24, 48 hours after the draft. But uh, still didn't love the approach. And that's just, look, that's, if I see something I don't like, I'll say it. But, and yep. as I said at the time, I don't dislike any of the players. I was just was surprised by the approach. Um, and I just hope Jackson Smith and Jigba doesn't put up 1,500 yards this year. Or I'm going to be miserable. Oh, that would be uh, a stab in the in the gut there for both of us because even live at the pick. But if Will like, McDonald gets 12 sacks, I will, who cares? Exactly. Then Jackson Smith, who it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's uh it's really important. Like you said, you got to talk about the draft. Don't harp on the draft, but when you come away a couple weeks removed, you see the impact that some players can actually have on this roster. And, and like you said, a band is that sleeper that is going to come out of this draft class. And at least in the beginning of the season, uh, Brees Hall said he's, you know, they said he's not going to be uh, used a lot in training camp. So he's going to eat up all those reps, but Going into the preseason as well, you have to think of Vanekanda as the number two, 
maybe even number one above Michael Carter. So it's going to be exciting to see how it all shakes out. And we We're didn't touch on a- that. We didn't touch on Brees Hall hitting 22 That's miles an hour true. on the GPS. Yes, and uh, yes, William. Thanks for uh, thanks for uh, you know the comment and and that you look. We have differences of opinion is what makes this fun sometimes, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. I have if, I have been doing this for a little while now, but it's if, it's, if you it's, and I, if you and I agreed on everything, this podcast wouldn't be yeah, fun if, for people if to listen. We watched, to. agreed with everything we said, and we agreed with everything we said. Then there'd be no point to say anything because everyone would just agree. But but yeah, the Brees Hall, twenty two miles an hour. I mean, that's crazy, man. That's silly. He's, but we're seeing it right. Like who was it a couple of years ago that came back? Was it Kamara? Somebody had the. ACL and they were back like in under a year and just blowing up. Um, I forget who it was, but yes, it was within uh, like a calendar year. They were back on the field and they were killing it. Yeah, now you got Brees Hall. You know that was week what five, six against yeah. Denver, yep. four, whatever it was. Yeah, we're not even at training camp yet, and he's doing agility drills outside and hitting twenty two on the GPS. So I think he's gonna be ready. I think he's gonna be ready to go. And that's yep. again. That is another part of what makes this so exciting is you look at what he did last year against stacked boxes, and now with defenses backed off because of Aaron Rodgers, he's going to have running room. Is he a bad account? He's going to have running room. Just start the season already. It's enough. And that's what I'm saying. And and I wanted to say we we talked about agreeing and disagreeing, and that might come with the, the team rankings and how we're going to break down offensive and defensive players. We're going to put them into a couple different buckets. So that's going to be a fun you know topic to carry us, and hopefully – you know, kill some time because August 3rd can't come here fast enough. That Hall of Fame game, I just – I circled it on my calendar. I don't know exactly how many days. I have the countdown on my phone. But August 3rd, that Hall of Fame game, it's coming quick. So I'm really excited. Uh, for Glenn, you can follow him on Twitter at JNRadio underscore Glenn. That's Glenn with two Ns. You can follow his draft account at Jets Picks at Jets P-I-C-K-S. Uh, just – really just scratching the surface on 2024 both of us i'm starting spring games i know glenn's been putting out tons of videos of you know yeah, I've, been, even... I've been quiet i've been a little bit quiet lately but I, I might be i was actually looking at uh who was i watching i was watching byu oregon earlier um to get a look at uh a byu lineman and uh some oregon so yeah there's maybe maybe some clips coming out in the next next several hours to sometime tomorrow yeah, definitely be on the lookout for that at Jets P-I-C-K-S. You can follow me on Twitter at D Terman, and you can follow Jet Nation on all social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Um, that's it for us for this week. Maybe we'll be back if breaking news happens. Maybe Quinnen gets paid or the Rodgers deal becomes more official. We'll see. But for now, we're getting into that slow point of the season, so we're going to have to, you know, maybe do some shorter shows and and come up with more talking points. And hopefully none of them are saying Aaron Rodgers is the third best quarterback in any state, because that's just categorically false. So we appreciate everybody in the, in the comments. We really, we really appreciate your interaction. It, It really helps bring the show along because your talking points create our talking points. So we love having that, that live chat there. So thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. Let's go Jets.